Welcome to C's for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories. From A to Z. Welcome back to another episode of C is for Creepy. Thank you so much for tuning in last week. We had so much fun recording and we're excited to tell you what this week's episode is. That's right. This week we're covering H stories. So let's see. The topic I'm going to be covering this week for H is hazing. Ooh. Have you ever been hazed? I have not, but I also was the kid who took gym in summer school to get out of the 5k run fair enough yeah no i haven't been either so i guess we're both very lucky but you know it still goes on so i thought it'd be fun to cover yeah i know when we were in like high school there was always these like horror stories yes about like kids getting hazed on the first 5k run of the year yeah and i remember being like "Mm, no fam yeah i remember hearing like oh yeah they're gonna get you with the paintball guns or the paddles yeah yeah, I heard about the paddles, too. <laughs> yeah, I was conveniently sick that day. <laughs> okay, so from stophazing.org, for those of you who don't know, hazing is any activity expected of someone joining or participating in a group activity or in any sort of group, and it humiliates, degrades, abuses, or endangers them. And this is regardless of the person's willingness to participate. Found oftentimes in universities, fraternities, but... You get it everywhere. You get it in new jobs, you get it in high school, you get it... Yeah. Yeah, so like my list has... It's pretty much reported anywhere which group people together. So like that includes military, sports team, gangs, prisons, and jobs. You know, it it happens everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. So hazing was thought to build solidarity with the initiates going through a tradition that the hazers have gone through themselves. So this just allows for this reoccurring cycle of abuse to continue. Yikes. There was also a study done in 1959 which claimed that people who go through pain or through a great deal of trouble to attain something will value it more than those who achieved it with minimal effort. So the more you suffer, the more you'll appreciate being a part of this group. Maybe I'm just a quitter, but like... Oh, I am so willing to give up on stuff. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, you want to beat me with a stick for me to be part of your club? Hard pass. Mm -mm. I got so much better things to do with my time. Like anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Forms of hazing vary from very low physical risk, so this includes intimidation techniques such as isolating the initiate from outside social groups, giving the initiate demeaning names, or forcing a vow of silence upon them, and it can grow to harassment in which the initiate must endure sleep deprivation, forced to wear degrading outfits, or being threatened, either like physical violence or any sort of thing. So that threat is there. And then finally, at the high physical risk end of the spectrum, there is violence, which can include paddling uh, or any other form of beating. 
forced consumption of drugs, alcohol, water, or other vile substances, and branding, to name a few. So you're literally terrorizing people. Exactly. Okay, cool. So- and it's, what, the 21st century, and we're still playing this game? Mm-hmm. So, like, to preface, I'm really not against groups. Like, I understand that some people enjoy the feeling of camaraderie that you get from being with a team. Like, everybody, like, they like what they like. I don't want to shame anybody. However, I would argue that forcing a bond between an hazer and a hazy, if you will, under the guise of building respect and loyalty to a group that clearly only wants you if you conform to its barbaric traditions is probably not a group that you want to be a part of. Wholeheartedly agree. Mm -hmm. You know, let me go find that knitting group. Right? Like, there's a lot of teams and groups out there that would want you without tearing you down. (laughs) Yeah. Some fun facts. In Canada, there's actually no laws against hazing. Instead, our governments have left it up to individual institutions and schools to come up with their own policies to prevent or deal with it. What? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. But in the U.S., uh, 44 states have laws prohibiting hazing, and of those 44, 10 states have felony charges if hazing results in death or serious injury. Yikes. Yeah. So, but you can still get charged with, like, assault and battery and bodily harm. Yes. And shit like that. It's just not the specific reason why. It's not specifically you're being charged with hazing. You don't get the hazing charge on top of a battery charge on top of an assault charge. Exactly. And, like, it should be said that, like, the 33 other states, like, that are not a part of it, it's usually, like, um... Oh, God, I can't even think of the term. But, like, it's a, it's not, like, a charge charge. It's just, like, a misdemeanor. That's the word. So, like, you get sentenced with, like, volunteer work or stuff like that. And, or, cool. or like, little fines. Cool, just... cool, 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 cool. And this is why hazing is still a thing. Yeah. Well, and the other reason why it's still a thing is it's very hard to, like, people that are part of these groups don't necessarily want to report it. Well, yeah, because you want to be part of the team. Yeah, you want to be a part of the group. So it's good to go in with your eyes open and just, you know, make decisions that are best for you. So would you say any group that involves hazing would prey on the follower mentality? Oh, 100%. I would say that, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that people that have more individualistic worldviews would probably not last very long in one of those groups. They'd nope the fuck out. They would nope out. It's really sad, but, like, horrible. Yeah. Okay, this is just garbage, but... On to my case. So, when I did first start my research, I noticed something interesting about hazing crimes. Um, In recent generations, one of the most common causes of death during hazing incidents was actually alcohol poisoning. You know, that makes sense. It, yeah, I, it just surprised, well, it's not in my notes, but um, I was going through Wikipedia and there's like generations where like specific hazing 
things must like things must have been new so like there was a brief period of time where the most common causes of death was like electrocution there's most common causes of like sleep deprivation or drowning mm-hmm. like it's it's very bizarre it goes through phases it goes through phases like Ooh. like obviously i'm not a scientist or a math person so i didn't do the statistics but i just noticed that going through it's okay we don't do math here no we do not on that note though i went a completely different direction with my case that i covered okay yeah so i'm gonna be talking about the case of sean davis who joined a new crew while working for republic energy drilling co okay once again i am not an expert in most things to be totally honest with you and in this case there's going to be a lot of oil field terminology so i'm going to do my best to try to describe it to you and my resource was schellenberg's oil field glossary which i found online okay so just bear with me i'm barren <laughs> it was the evening of november 25th 2003 when the four-man crew were working the evening shift. Lewis Earl Goodman, a 38-year-old driller, was in charge for the evening as the usual night shift lead was not on site. The drilling rig was located in Denton, Texas. The crew consisted of Goodman, Sean Davis, Ted Garland, and Henry Clay. Around 8 that evening, Clay walked into the top of the doghouse, so... The doghouse is pretty much a multi-purpose room near the rig floor that has an access door to the driller's controls. It's a closet. Cool. Well, it's more than like it's a, like a change room that you can take your breaks in there. Like pretty much just like a multi-purpose room. Okay. Yeah. I like how they call it the doghouse. That's I, quite fitting. There's going to be so many of these. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Okay, so Clay walked into the doghouse and he saw the three men talking. So, as conversation went on, like, they were just talking about Thanksgiving, since that was coming up, and unfortunately, the conversation took a turn when Garland brought up initiating the new guy, Sean. Sean had been working for Republic Energy for less than a week. Now, this is common on rigs, so Goodman and Garland considered some different ways that the 23-year-old man could be hazed. Okay. So when I think of like, not that I ever would, but if I ever thought about like hazing the newbie, I would think about like putting a pickle in their PB&J sandwich. Like harmless, funny shit. Mm. Well, that's not the case here. And I'll get to some specific ways that... Putting a ghost pepper in someone's salad. (laughs) (laughs) Only if they ask you to make it. (laughs) Oh, the good old days. No. Uh, so, no, I, so I will get to some specific ways, but that'll be later on. I am not ready for this. Mm, I'll get to it later, but the pair were considering hoisting Sean up with either the cat line or the boom line. Dangerous. Exactly. So basically, this is not good. If it is, so it's not, like... I am really not an oil field expert, so I have looked at so many different diagrams. I cannot <laughs> begin to describe how many diagrams I was trying like to properly describe this cat line. Because like everyone had a different description of it. So I'm just gonna read the one that I found. Okay. 
when they reference a cat line, they are talking about a hoisting or pulling line powered by the cat head, and it is used to lift heavy equipment on the rig. And I will attach a diagram to the episode's Instagram post to help illustrate what I'm talking about. But like basically there's like a big structure and there's like the hook in the middle and then there's it attaches to the top and there's a little pulley and then there's a line system that comes off of it. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So it's like oil drilling equipment. uh, Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm on board. Yeah, it's used it's the it's the line used to hoist the equipment into the hole. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. Fair. I'm on board. Good. And then a boom is like a man lift, right? Um, not in this case. In this case, I think that they're just referring to the structure. Okay. Okay. So it's the big it's, triangle with yes, a line in it. It's the triangle with the line. <laughs> and cool. They're, they're talking about the line used to move. The... I feel like I have so many family members right now that uh, are oh, going to come for my soul. I, I feel <laughs> we live in Alberta and I, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job of you know showcasing that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah okay okay so clay left the doghouse leaving just the three guys in there (laughs) he left the doghouse he was in the (laughs) doghouse sorry i'm a child okay so garland and goodman suggested that sean put on the derrick belt used for climbing the rig sean refused saying that he did not want to put the belt on, and if, like, they would have to force that belt onto him. Like, he did not want to any part of this. And, of course, as men, children do, they did. Mm, well, the three of them wrestled, and it ended up with Garland and Goodman putting the belt on Sean. And the hazing was about to commence. Oh, I'm not ready for it. Goodman left to grab the cat line and returned with the chain end. He hooked the line to the Derek belt that was on Sean and said, I got you. Now, Goodman didn't let go of the line, and he claims that he tried to unlatch it as soon as it it was put on. But there was a problem. Goodman could feel the line starting to tighten. Who turned the machine on? Well, what Goodman had not noticed when he was retrieving the line and bringing it into the doghouse was that there was slack in the line. So the slack is known for getting caught in the Kelly. And the Kelly is a device on the brick floor that is used to drill into the ground. So like they're working. This is a night shift. They're still actively working. Right? So the Kelly is going. This device rotates fast about 70 times per minute. Clay, who had left earlier, noticed the chain part of the Kelly was tight and being pulled and reversed. So, like, it was caught. It was caught in the Kelly. It was not going to slow down. And by the time Clay had noticed that, it was too late. Sean was pulled out of the doorway of the doghouse, hitting the bottom of the door with enough force that he took the door off its hinges. He just went flying. Still attached to the line, Sean was pulled into the Kelly bushings, where he was spun around between 10 and 20 times, hitting equipment and all other surfaces. Oh, that poor soul. Right? Clay, who was still outside, witnessed the man being beaten to death from all the impact and yelled to Goodman to shut the equipment down. 
Finally, good men shut down the rotary table and Clay was able to, quote, kick the pumps out, unquote, which stopped the bludgeoning. The three men went to check on Sean, who was bloody and bruised from his ordeal. Goodman claimed that he tried the company rig phone to call 911, but the phone wasn't working. Clay ended up call using his cell phone to call for aid and drove to a convenience store to meet the ambulance. I'm sorry. Every morning or night when these guys go to work, they have to fill out a safety form. Mm-hmm. So you all freaking know the danger of the equipment that you are working on. Mm-hmm. And sorry, you being an idiot, decided to just go ahead anyways? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. Well, I know. I know. I, like, I'm such a safety person. Like, I feel like my dream calling is to work for OSHA so I can just boss people around and tell them to be safe. Like, it just made my blood boil when I read that. Yuck. Well... Meanwhile, as the two of them were waiting, so Goodman and Garland were waiting for emergency services to come, Goodman removed the Derek belt off Sean and hung it back up in the doghouse. When paramedics arrived, Sean was dead. Oh my god. So Goodman wanted to get the trio's story straight about the events that led to this unfortunate death. Mm-hmm. As they waited for police to arrive, the driller came up with an alternative story. In fact, that night, he told the same story to several police officers and fire department members. He claimed that Sean had noticed the loose cat line and shown it to Goodman, but was standing too close to the Kelly with the line, which caused it to get caught and ended in a devastating accident. In short, Blaming the band's lack of experience on a rig with his own death. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the next morning, Clay's guilty conscience got the better of him. Clay was the guy that witnessed everything happening. Like, he had to fill out a police report but didn't put any specifics in because the two other guys were watching over his shoulder. So, like... Oh, okay. He was not on board with this. He's like, okay... Calling the cops, like, let's get... He's like, we done fucked up. Yeah, exactly. So, he called the investigators, telling him the actual story about Sean's death. Investigators Britt and Kish returned to the rig with permission from the owner and gathered evidence. But that belt would have a lot to say. Well, they did grab, like, several of the Derek belts hanging in the doghouse, and they noticed that the door was missing. (laughs) Hmm. So, investigator Britt located both halves of the door hidden behind a shed. Britt noticed blood on the bottom half of the door and that the hinges had been bent off. Shit. Blood found on the belt was a positive match with Sean's blood, and it's highly likely that the blood on the door was his as well. And guess who showed up while the investigators were there? Goodman. Ah, yes. Yes. Officers. A brown noser. Well, he like I mean he was starting his shift, right? Oh right. Right. So he was like under the impression that like oh it's an accident everything's fine I can just no big deal back to work. Yeah. Well, officers had a different idea and Fair. they asked him to go down to the station for further questioning. Once there, Goodman stuck to his original story at first, but when questioned further, the story did come out and. 
He was charged. It was his idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says that it was Garland's idea, but that's his side. So, okay. like, either way, he was the supervisor on site. He's the one that grabbed the line. He's the one that definitely should have known better. He was a supervisor on site. And when your staff were talking about hazing somebody, you should have shut that shit down. Exactly. Okay. So, August 26, 2004, Goodman was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to 18 years in prison. Ooh. So, actually online, you can see his full appeal. Because he did try to appeal this charge, saying that he, that he should have been given a lesser sentence of criminal negligence. However, by his own admission, Goodman knew the dangers that could occur by hoisting someone up with a cat line. Like, it's not in my notes, but, like, there was actually an incident involving the cat line being stuck in the Kelly, like, a few weeks earlier at that same site. The very real problem. Garland was also charged with manslaughter, found guilty, and sentenced to five years. Why the difference? Probably with Garland. Like, I don't have, like, the actual reasoning, but I'm assuming it's because he was a part of it but he didn't actually attach the bells himself he he wasn't in charge of the site he if there's somebody who is more responsible it would be goodman okay right Mm -hmm. back to goodman it should be noted that he had a sixth grade education and he had been working on rigs since he was 18 he had been working rigs for like 20 years of his life or more which means you know better. You know better. But it also means that that's been, like, that's more than half of his life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he knows. You know what I mean? Like, it's not justification. It's just, that's the environment. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. An expert witness who had worked rigs for 45 years in different positions also gave testimony that pranking and hazing was very common in this field. So this included blindfolding and hitting people, um, letting someone walk a plank across a pit, and then moving the plank, causing them to fall in. Jesus. Goodman had also had his boots greased, thrown in a pit, and been hoisted up by cat lines over the years as well. It's kind of sad, you know, listen, like, reading his testimony, being like, well, this happened to me. Like, everybody's been hoisted up. Like, it just happens. Mm-hmm. So, like... They thought that they were doing something harmless because they, they've been through it. Yeah. But it's a very real thing that people could get really hurt. Yeah. So, like, did they mean for it to happen? No. But they should also know better. Yeah. You should never put somebody's life in danger for your own little giggle. Mm-hmm. So, interestingly, and this could be a coincidence... But I'm choosing to believe that it isn't. Mm -hmm. When I searched what happened to Goodman, I found an obituary in Texas for a man with his name who died November 21st, 2018. And like his birthday wasn't on the court records I found, but like I did the math and like the dates added up. So it could be this guy. Okay. If it is, it's very strange because this Goodman died at a drilling site in Denton County when cables snapped and struck him. Huh. 
That'd be some cosmic karma. It would be. So, like, like I said, I'm, like, 90% sure it is the same guy. Unfortunately, like, there's nothing, like, absolutely concrete to confirm. But yeah, I think it's fun to believe, like, I like a it. little bit of karma happened there. Especially with being found at a drill site. I like it. Yes. It's amazing. Um, so, that is the story of Sean Davis. Nice. Yes. Wow, thanks, Elise. That was quite the hazing story. Yes. So, what is your age? My age is for hospital. Ooh. And we're going to do a hometown hospital called the Charles Campbell Hospital. Awesome. Have you ever been there? So, I have been around the perimeter but i've never been inside same yes yeah are you ready for some charles campsell we are gonna do some history into this one i know i always do a history section but i would like to say that like some of the atrocities that happened here are awful and unfortunately in some of the um i tried to edit a lot of the quotes and names of things into correct terminology okay but some things i just couldn't so if there's any incorrect terminology it is just because that is what it was at the time but everything else that i found i did try to change the terminology just because we are in the year 2022 some things are not okay yes absolutely um so the charles campbell hospital in edmonton alberta within the land acknowledgement of Treaty 6, was a hospital for treating Native Americans with tuberculosis. However, it was also a site where Native Americans were involuntarily sterilized. Ugh. Canada was a horrible place for the First Nations. Uh-huh. The Charles Campbell Hospital was founded in 1913 and originally functioned as a Jesuit college for boys. In 1942, the building was bought and operated by the American Army Military Base during the building of the Alaska Highway during World War II. Okay. Then, in 1944, it was sold to the government of Canada. Mm. Which is really weird if you think about it. Like, the American government just sold to the government of Canada. In Canada. Kind of weird. The Royal Canadian Army Medical Corps began using the building as a hospital in 1945. The hospital was approved for conversion to a tuberculosis hospital for Inuit and other First Nation groups in Alberta. In 1946, the federal government opened the building into a quote-unquote Indian sanatorium, Ugh. mainly for those suffering with TB. Okay. The hospital closed in 1996 due to asbestos, and several class action lawsuits that were pressed against the government in the late 1990s. Hmm, I wonder why. So, these are not paranormal, but the horrors of Charles Campbell Hospital. Okay. Do you want some wine first? Yep. Because she's a little dicey. Okay. Hit me with it. Although the hospital was meant to treat tuberculosis, the Charles Campbell Hospital was also a site where patients were subjected to research. Of course they were. Was it voluntary? No. Probably not. Mm. Some people were forcibly placed into the hospital, and patients with certain defects were involuntarily sterilized. Many First Nations people were sterilized at the Charles Campbell Hotel between 1960s and 1980s. The hotel? Hospital. 
not hotel. Okay. Don't judge me. That's okay. No, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> no, the hospital. Okay. It was not a hotel. <laughs> Shock treatments, nutritional experiments, enforced sterilization, and scores and scores of deaths are just some of the heinous acts that are said to have taken place in the name of science. Mm, don't you just love science? Hmm. In 1982, a young man working on the roof fell to his death. The hospitals also often linked to the 60s scoop, where children of Aboriginal families were fostered or adopted out, usually to non-Aboriginal families, contributing to the loss of Aboriginal culture. Mm -hmm. There was allegedly a mass grave for children and infants that died while in care of the hospital building, though this has been denied and corrected by officials. Well, now that we are in 2022 and, like, the... Oh, God, I can't think of the movement. But, like, there are graves being discovered Every child now. matters. Yes, yes, every child matters. Thank you. Um, but do you think that there's a possibility that they will find one now? So there look? was none that was found at the Charles Campbell Hospital. Okay. But we'll get there. Okay. The families of the deceased patients were never told of their passing, and patients were buried in a mass grave by a residential school in St. Albert. I see. Okay, so not actually on site, but... They were just sent to St. Albert, yeah. I see. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Though I... Unfortunately, I didn't look into the St. Albert one, mm -hmm. but I because I was researching the Charles Campbell, I did see that they did not find any mass okay. graves. I see. Okay. I just wanted to confirm if that had been, like, rechecked recently. Yes. Okay. Good. Ugh. The full truth of what happened at Charles Campbell Hospital will likely never be known, but the rumors are genuinely awful. Mm-hmm. Now on to some paranormal encounters. Because Lord knows there's tons. The rumors behind what really happened at the Charles Campbell Hospital are why so many locals believe the abandoned building is haunted to this day. Mm -hmm. The spirits of those who lost their lives at the abandoned hospital are thought to be walking the halls, hoping, maybe, that one day they will escape their prison and be reunited with loved ones they were so cruelly taken away from. Ugh. Ah. <sighs> Sitting abandoned since 1996, the building gives off haunted impressions and people walking by say they can feel eyes looking at them from the hospital windows. There are satanic symbols and graffiti on the walls and parts of the hospital are in slow decay. Setting the, ab the setting absolutely invites ghost hunters to come in. Yes, I know a few that have gone inside and explored it a few times. Though... <laughs> Don't go inside, because no, the no. police will send dogs after you. Yes, they will send dogs after you. Just yes. FYI, people. Yes, they will. Do not trespass. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> good times. So, on a paranormal investigation, the fourth floor of the hospital... No, I did not get the paranormal research team. I'm sorry. Jeez, Courtney. I looked. I genuinely put in like a very valiant effort to look. Okay. And I just could not find it. Okay. Fair enough. As long as you looked. I think there was like two. Two okay. or three I pulled this from. Okay. But like it was off of a different website. So. Okay. Yeah. Good times. The fourth floor of the hospital housed a psychiatric wing. 
The patient's isolation rooms and rumors of shock treatments made it a hot spot for confused and earthbound spirits. <laughs> On video camera and a digital recording... An anguished female screaming was caught by a ghost hunting group on the fourth floor. It was verified that it did not belong to anyone in the investigation group. A major psychic impression picked up in the psychiatric wing was a teenage girl, extremely distraught, pulling out her nails, which left her with bloody hands. She kept repeating, when are they coming to get me? Oh, I do not like stuff that has to do with nails being ripped out that is heinous i agree Ugh. it doesn't get better okay sorry as I, you would I, say I... it gets better <laughs> on the second floor is the surgical wing the blood stains are still on the floor in one room i like how they're just in one room i'm sorry i'm just like they just mopped the rest of the rooms just left them. maybe the rest degraded over the years Ugh, that's worse. Paranormal investigators captured a male voice on their recorder in operating room six, calling out Karen and some unearthly groans. The most startling audio was something slamming its hands down hard on the metal shelf. They had left a recorder on. Seconds after that, the recorder shut off. Oh, oh, that is so creepy. Yeah. In the auditorium, the paranormal investigators tried to communicate with whatever entities resided there, and everyone with a camera caught at least one picture with orbs floating in it. Mm. A psychic impression given in the auditorium was a very sad older aboriginal man with mobility problems looking for his wife. The recorder caught the spirit wailing, we did not choose to be here. Oh, oh, that's so sad. Right? Down in the morgue area, an elevator decided to start operating on its own. Oh, hell no. Footsteps above the investigators on different floors were heard walking with a very loud clump. Oh, a clump? A clump. Just one single, like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the Charles Campbell Hospital resides in the Inglewood community. Mm hmm and the residents of Englewood say they feel uncomfortable every time they pass the hospital. Fair enough. They feel as though someone is watching them through the broken windows of the abandoned building. Even those who drive or walk past it feel a sense of uneasiness. Yeah. People have seen figures standing in the windows late at night. Ew. I'm actually kind of surprised that it's still standing. Well, it was meant to be demolished and built into apartment buildings. Yeah. Which, like... I, I wonder whatever happened with that, because, like, it's a, it's a creepy building. I think it's still planned, okay. honestly. But, like... I would not want to live in those apartments. No. But... Honestly, they should just level the building and keep the land as... Just this land. is a place that yeah. something maybe, really awful happened. Maybe like a memorial park or this something. This land needs to just stay here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -mm. So, unfortunately, the building has been gated off with police presence and no trespassing signs. There will be no ghost hunts for us, but you can still drive by the building at night to see the hospital. Just remember to be respectful of the neighbors and if you jump the fence, you will be chased by dogs. Yes, you will. Um, yes. Living here, we uh, we know. 
quite a few people who have actually been chased down by the police dogs. So yes. they're not kidding. So it's, that's why it's always very important on ghost hunts to be respectful. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> you're not just respecting the spirits. You're respecting people living nearby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those people will call the police. Yes, they will. <laughs> so the references I used was eugenicsarchives.ca, malonepost.com, edmontonjournal.com, whatwhenhow.com, and thewandereronline.com. Awesome. So where I got the paranormal investigator stories was from the whatwhenhow.com. Okay. And when I went deeper into trying to figure out where it came from, I went down an entire rabbit hole and it took me like four hours and then I, I got nowhere and just ended up in a giant circle. Fair enough. That's all good. Yeah. So. I liked your stories. Those were some creepy ghost stories. I know. Ooh. It kind of makes me want to go back there just to like sit there at like three o'clock in the morning. And just see if anybody peeks their head out. Yeah. Ugh. Wouldn't that be so cool though? Yes, it would. I would definitely be up for that. <laughs> right? Okay, so that wraps us up for H. You'll have to join us next week when we cover I stories. Yes, and make sure to tune in to our second episode of the Nocturnal Novellas on the last Friday of the month. Yes. As always, if you have any stories for Nocturnal Novellas, don't hesitate. Please email us at c4creepy at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing your stories and you guys listening to us next week. Yes. Also, please don't forget to uh, review us and on Apple Podcast. Yes. And give us a five-star rating. Help us get on the map. That would be super awesome. Yes, it would. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to See Is For Creepy. We put out weekly episodes every Tuesday going through the creepy alphabet. Check out our website at acast.com slash C is for creepy or on Facebook at C is for creepy podcast or on Instagram at C for creepy podcast. If you have any questions, concerns or suggestions, please email us at C for creepy at gmail.com. Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at L-E-X-X-A underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.